Welcome back to the week five edition of my weekly NFL Pick'em. If it feels like this has been the craziest start to an NFL season in a long time, well, that's because it has been. We've had 15 games with game-winning scores in the final minute of regulation. That's the most since 1970. And seven teams that didn't even make the playoffs last year are currently at the top of their respective divisions. Week three brought it on the field. Week four brought it on and off the field. And the drama is already spilling over into week five. For me personally, one of the craziest things might be the heater that I'm on to start the season with. I went 14 and two last week bringing my overall record on the season to 45 and 19, putting me in the 99.6 percentile on all of ESPN's Pick'em platform. If you'd like to join, the link to the Pick'em group is in the description and the pinned comment. My YouTube numbers have not been as good as my Pick'em numbers this year, so please help me reach the goal for this video, which I'm gonna set at 500 likes. It helps more than you know. If we don't hit that goal, I might have to start keeping these money picks all to myself. The YouTube shorts didn't really seem to be popping off like I was hoping, so instead of wasting time on that, I'm just gonna put the Thursday Night Football breakdown at the end of these videos like we did last year let's go ahead and jump into week five First up on Sunday, we've got the Jets versus the Falcons, and hey, pandemic schmamdemic, right? The NFL International Series is back. You know, I'm not sure how the NFL thinks that they're gonna grow the fan base in the UK, and we keep sending these awful teams over there. The league probably loves that they can market this Jets team coming off of a win, as if they didn't play a team without their top two wide receivers, but it was still the best that we've seen from Josh Wilson, but right after the kid has some success, he's getting shipped off to London to prepare for the Falcons without any of his usual routine. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Falcons are getting beat at home by backup quarterbacks. I don't even think that Ted Lasso could save these teams, but hopefully this still turns into a good game. It is one of those 9.30 Eastern time kickoffs, so for fans in the U.S., it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, because we literally have a complete day of football afterwards. Matt Ryan does have some London experience, and it was the full Falcons experience back in 2014, where they blew a 21 to nothing lead to the Lions. That was eight years ago, though. The only players remaining from that roster are Matt Ryan and left tackle Jake Matthews. The Jets last played in London in 2015, beating the Dolphins, but no one remains from that Jets roster. However, head coach Coach Robert Salah will be making his fourth trip over there with the previous three coming while he was a linebacker coach for the Jaguars. I'm not gonna lie, the head coach having this much experience makes me wanna pick the Jets, but this was more of a factor back then when this was a new process and the best traveling process isn't really a secret anymore among NFL teams. So give me the quarterback experience. Falcons win 24-19. Next up, we've got Eagles at Panthers. Last week, the Eagles put up a decent fight against the Chiefs, but got outclassed in the end. Same goes for the Panthers against the Cowboys. I was actually surprised to see them struggle so early on against the Cowboys, but this offensive line was semi-exposed, forcing Sam Newton to quickly adapt and get out on the move a little bit. Now, if you had to guess which one of these two quarterbacks in this game would lead the league in rushing touchdowns after four weeks, you probably would have assumed that it was Jalen Hurts. But behind that average Panthers offensive line, Sam Darnold has been forced to show off a kind of underrated aspect of his game. I think the proper term is sneaky athletic. Speaking of offensive line issues, the Eagles won't be able to enforce their will running the football on this Panthers defense the way that the Cowboys did. I think they end up becoming one-dimensional, which plays right into the strength of the Panthers defense, and the Panthers win 28-20. Packers at Bengals. Sorry for all the offensive line talk, but I think the Packers offensive line is really what won them the game last week against a good Steelers defense, opening the door for the Bengals to try and prove this week that their defense has surpassed the Steelers with a better performance against Aaron Rodgers. The Bengals are currently 3-1, something that nobody outside of Cincinnati saw coming, but this is their toughest test yet. Luckily for them, they get the Packers when their defense will be without Jair Alexander and the Smith brothers along the edge. However, number 12 is still out there, and it's pretty hard to pick against any quarterback wearing the number 12 these days. Packers win 20 620. 
Patriots at Texans. Whenever you get a notification on your phone that says a big name veteran has been released, it's going to catch you off guard and be a surprise. But the fans of these two teams saw the writing on the wall a long time ago. I think that Belichick, being the petty man that he is, knew that there's a chance that Gilmore could sign with the Buccaneers and wanted to make sure until that game was in the rear view. And even though the Patriots may have lost the Tom Brady game, Belichick definitely reminded us what made him the Hall of Fame coach that he is. And that's his ability to identify and expose the opponent's greatest weaknesses. This week, he's got a plethora of areas to attack on this Texans roster. And he's fortunate that he has the Texans on the schedule this week because the entire left side of the Patriots offensive line is now on the COVID-19 list. But I don't think that matters. I almost feel bad for Davis Mills. He's about to get a crash course this week in NFL defense. Patriots win 24-10. Titans at Jaguars. That was embarrassing for the Titans last week. Julio Jones had to sit out of that game, and that was probably not a great idea. I know he was questionable all week, but I really hope that they didn't think that they could just win the game without him and give him a week off. Either way, it was fitting for Corey Davis to rip the Titans' heart out. Now they arguably have the other worst team in the league on their schedule. Let's see how they respond. Mike Rabel isn't the best head coach in the league, but he definitely gets his guys ready to go after they have a poor performance. But it's actually the Jaguars bringing the most drama to the NFL this week. At the end of the Thursday loss in Cincinnati, Urban Meyer said his head was spinning. So what did he end up doing? He decided to skip the team flight home, stay in Ohio, and essentially put on a Letterman jacket and hang out in his old stomping grounds. What a tool. It's not even what he did. However, I am confused by this old man technique here. It's really just how he's handled himself from the beginning. And this doesn't end well for Urban Meyer. I mostly feel bad for Jags fans because this was supposed to be a new era for them. And after years of losing and dealing with just struggling football wise, they don't deserve this kind of off the field drama after what they've already been through. I understand what their owner Shad Khan was trying to do. It probably felt good to have a big name interested in the Jaguars for a change, but maybe next year they find their own Brandon Staley. Whether Julio Jones plays or not this week, I think that the Jaguars are about to get embarrassed and it's going to be on the back of Derrick Henry. Titans win 34-13. Lions at Vikings. The Lions are trying so hard and I'm so proud of them for it, but they are outmatched and fighting an uphill battle in most NFL games. Now they've lost center Frank Ragnow to turf toe. Rookie Penny Sewell is banged up, neither of which is going to help with the Vikings pass rush. And then on the other side of the ball, the Vikings passing attack's been on fire, minus last week, but they'll probably resume their explosiveness this week when playing against this week Lions pass defense. Vikings win 35-23. Broncos at Steelers. Win or lose, Vic Fangio has got something to say about the other team's coach. Uh, did you have a problem with the last play that Baltimore ran? Yeah, I thought it was kind of bullshit, but I expected it from them. You know, I've 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. So, but it was to be expected, and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. You know, they. That's just their. You know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. Last week, Teddy Bridgewater suffered a concussion against the Ravens. And I always assumed that we'd see Drew Locke at some point, but I never wanted it to come like this. Teddy Bridgewater has that Tyrod Taylor quarterback luck, but nonetheless, it's Drew Locke's turn now. I'm sure a lot of Steelers fans wouldn't mind it if Big Ben got knocked out of a game for a little while, but I was happy to at least see their defense show up in the first half of the game against the Packers, even though Big Ben's already rolled over and died. I wouldn't want to see the rest of this team follow suit. Roethlisberger has now lost six of his last eight starts, and Cam Newton's probably itching for his opportunity, but the 
Steelers are riding with Ben for now. And that old cockroach will probably keep himself alive for another week due to the fact that the Steelers are playing a backup quarterback. If Teddy Bridgewater was playing, I'd feel more confident in picking the Broncos on the road. They're 2-0 this season there. And he's been a steady presence for this offense through all their injuries. And I know that I entered this season as one of the last people still in the corner for Drew Locke at some point, right? But the way that he came out last week makes it seem like he's definitely not one of those guys that is preparing each week as if he is the starter. I'm sure that he has been preparing all this week for it, but this is a tough defense to play against. And Drew Locke needs a very good game to keep my toe in his corner before I'm out like Shark Tank. Steelers win 21-14. Dolphins at Buccaneers. Last week I said the Dolphins offense is going to be cooked and you see how a defense can adjust when they don't respect the passing game. It makes it that much easier just to shut down the running game. But that's okay because you don't even want to try to run against this Bucks defense, right? Their secondary has been decimated with injuries, but the Dolphins lack the offensive firepower to even take advantage of it. Literally the only thing that I see the Dolphins have going for them in this game is that they traditionally gave the New England Brady Patriots as tough a time as anybody in the league, but it's no longer a divisional game. So I think the Buccaneers win this one easy 38 16. Saints at Washington. Last week I decided to start throwing some money around and man, the Saints cost me so much money. Even if I wasn't financially involved in their game against the Giants, I still would have been hella disappointed with their effort. But both of these teams have been so hot and cold each week, I don't know who to trust. I keep waiting for Chase Young to bust out of his sophomore slump and take a game over like he did as a rookie, but maybe this is the week. Reluctantly, Washington wins 23-21. Browns at Chargers. This is a big one that probably didn't seem like such a big one before the season started, but could have serious AFC implications down the line. Last week, the Browns defense contained a highly productive Vikings offense, and they deserve all the credit for the win in Minnesota. Baker Mayfield received a ton of criticism for his performance, and it's probably justified because he didn't play well, but this is kind of what you're going to get with Baker. If he doesn't wake up feeling dangerous, there's potential for him to play a mediocre or pedestrian game. Remember, he is not the most physically gifted quarterback. He is the gritty, try-hard type and that's going to result in some ugly close ones so save your energy for when he plays poorly and the Browns lose in fact I'd be more concerned with the chemistry that he has with Odell Beckham because it looks like Baker gets a case of the yips every time he targets OBJ but if and assuming that they eventually do if and when Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. get in sync and then they get Jarvis Landry back too this could be one of the most complete teams in the league this Browns Chargers game has got two of the best all-around edge rushers in the league who also happen to be two of my favorite players on and off the field I didn't even know they called the penalty on me because I was fuming, but I mean, refs are blind. Simple. I'm sorry, but you're blind. Like, open your eyes and do your job. It's so bad. It's unbelievable. I mean, look at the play. Sack, game over, 15 yards. It's a big deal. Um, obviously, that's on me. I should never lose my control like that. But these guys have got to do a better job because it's been years of terrible, terrible missed calls left and right. It's uh, really pathetic, honestly, but pathetic on me too for, for doing what I did. Call or not, I have to take a step back and just go to the next play. But man, they just seem to not be even have their eyes open half the time. Joey Bosa had a lot to say in his post-game interview this week, but I'll save his comments on Derek Carr for the next pick. As far as this game goes, I could flip either way because I think the Browns are that good, but the Chargers quarterback is just way more consistent and steady. I think the Chargers win 28-26.
Bears at Raiders. Despite losing David Montgomery just when it seemed like he was getting going, this was a big bounce back week for the Bears, with the biggest news being that Matt Nagy finally had the balls to announce that Justin Fields is going to be the starter moving forward. I'm happy for Fields, for Bears fans not having to deal with Nagy's awful coach speak when it comes to Andy Dalton. However, it's the Raiders' turn to bounce back after their loss to the Chargers. Derek Carr has to have a big day after that Chargers game. Joey Bosa put him on blast. And they once we hit him a few times, he really gets shook and, and you saw on, on CC's sack, he was pretty much curling into a ball before we even got back there. So. Now he's got to redeem himself while his old teammate is licking his chops, hoping to also posterize Derek Carr in the fetal position. I'd love to see Khalil Mack take over this game, but I think the Raiders pass rush is going to be equally motivated to show out, prove to the front office that they made the right decision, but don't count out Justin Fields on this fast turf. But in the end, I think that the Raiders win 26-17. Next up, we've got 49ers at Cardinals. The NFC West had the first round of their round robin during week four, where the road teams won both matchups. I don't know what it was about that Cardinals-Rams matchup, but I went all in on it. I even got clowned in the comments, but hey, they came through, made me a bunch of money last week. I think it's safe to say that Rodney Hudson is one of the best offseason acquisitions of the year. Cardinals ran all over the Rams defense, and Hudson has given Kyler a consistent veteran presence at the center position. It's funny because he's not even grading out that well from PFF or whatever, but he's easily been the best center that the Cardinals have had in a long time. This Cardinals offense leads the league in both yards and points per game. I'm going to continue to ride with the Cardinals, but with this NFC West division being as tight as it is, it wouldn't shock me if the 49ers turn around and beat them, but it's the uncertainty of quarterback for me. Cardinals win 24-16. Giants at Cowboys. That was a crucial victory for the Giants before they head into a gauntlet part of their schedule, starting with the Cowboys this week, then the Rams, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders, and then at least they get a bye week to prepare for Brady and the Bucks. But I think the biggest takeaway from that game against the Saints was that Saquon Barkley finally looked like himself again. We'll see if Jason Garrett can continue to get him the ball and help the offense run through him. As for the Cowboys, overall, they are about where I thought they'd be, but I had a higher opinion than most. However, this offensive line and most notably the defense are playing way better than I anticipated. The secondary was the biggest concern, but yet here's Trayvon Diggs having an all-pro season so far. Jaron Curse is having a breakout season after being mostly a journeyman, but let's talk about the elephant in the room. The Cowboys have felt so good about this defense that they paid Jalen Smith $7.2 million just to go away. He had a clause in his contract that guaranteed his 2022 salary if he suffered an injury. Reportedly, the Cowboys asked him to waive that clause and he refused, and the Cowboys didn't want to risk it, so they cut him. When your agent approaches you, about waiving a contract clause you probably know that there is potential to be cut or released in the future but knowing Jalen Smith probably not he was a great comeback story his recovery from that knee injury was inspirational you cannot take that away from him but he also hadn't been playing well for the last two years I like to reference PFF's grades here from time to time but the fact that he graded out so well this year is a big flaw in their grading system because when he messes up he royally messes up once he signed that long-term contract there was a big decline in his performance and he might be productive on the stat line, but the Cowboys defensive unit as a whole was worse when he was on the field. And people talk about it being such a great leader, but as a Cowboys fan, for me, his shtick got old very quickly. Yeah, he's a great hype man, but he isn't nearly as good as he thinks he is. And the Cowboys have a lot of other linebackers on their roster that they like. You can't have such a chauvinistic, loud linebacker getting 15 snaps a game, and you know he wouldn't reduce himself playing special teams, so he had to go. I think that Dan Quinn just made them feel confident enough to pull the trigger before that surgically repaired wrist triggered a 9 million 
million dollar bonus next year. Honestly, I wish him luck wherever he goes. Hopefully this has been a humbling experience for him. And I think that he needs a different scheme where he can just attack downhill. If you ask him to cover anything where he needs to use his peripheral vision, he's toast. His body just isn't agile enough anymore. The athleticism has dipped off quite drastically. And man, it is just such a shame that he paid so much money for Romo's number nine jersey only to wear for four games. But anyways, back to this Giants-Cowboys game. Both of these teams are being led in sacks by rookie linebackers, actually. Mike Parsons with two and a half sacks. He gets all the publicity, but shout out to Aziz Ojolari. He was a draft crush of mine, and he's got three sacks for the Giants already. He's got a tough matchup this week with Tyron Smith playing some of his best football in a long time. This Cowboys offensive line has been run blocking really well, too, especially considering that they're playing with a backup at right tackle. But Terrence Steele's been holding his own down there. And even though the Cowboys are at their best when they're running the ball down your throat, this offense is playing like a fast break offense and scoring points in bunches. But then they also seem to get into cold streaks. So keep an eye out for that down the stretch. But this is the exact matchup where Dak broke his ankle last year. I think he's proven to himself and everyone else that he has fully recovered from that ankle and is now probably knocked off enough of the rust where this could be one of his biggest games of the year. Cowboys win 27-17. Bills at Chiefs. What a beating the Bills just gave the Texans. This AFC showdown features the number one defense against the number two offense. This Bills team feels like a completely different squad ever since their week one loss to the Steelers. And then the Chiefs, they got things back on track last week. And there's nothing like a trip to Philly for Andy Reid to get his offense clicking again. The Chiefs had seven drives and only one of them didn't end in a touchdown. And then the rich get richer because now here comes Josh Gordon in what's probably his last chance in the NFL. If this guy is half the player that he's shown in the past, he's instantly the second best wide receiver on this team and such a perfect underneath compliment to Hill and Kelsey. But it's not the offense for the Chiefs that I'm worried about. It's their defense, allowing their opponents to move the ball with similar offensive success. But you know that the Bills, they've had this one circled on their calendar since the schedule came out. This is a rematch of the AFC Championship last year, and it's highly likely that both of these teams are in the hunt once again come playoff time. It's always interesting to see how much coaches want to put on film in a game like this. It could have playoff seeding implications without risking giving away too much of their gameplay if they see them again down the line. For that scenario, I'd give the nod to the Bills to put it all on the line and prove to themselves that they can beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Andy Reid probably recognizes that the Chargers could win the division and might prefer to save his ace in the hole plays for the playoffs regardless of where they end up playing. I got the Bills in the upset here, 31-30. And then on Monday Night Football, we've got the Colts at the Ravens, and Carson Wentz finally got his first win as a Colt last week, and hopefully for him, that will shake some of the rust and open things up for this Colts offense a little bit moving forward. But how about John Harbaugh calling it like a real-life Madden coach to keep their 100-yard rushing streak alive last week, and I love it. Who cares if Vic Fangio gets a little bit pissed off? That kind of stuff is important to players, and it's why Harbaugh's players love him so much. However, this is the same mentality that cost them J.K. Dobbins in the preseason, but hey, you gotta live and die by this kind of mentality or else you're never going to reap the benefits. I think those benefits show up on Monday night and the Ravens win 31-20. And then on Thursday night, we've got the Rams at the Seahawks, and it's the beginning of round two of the NFC West round robin. And these matchups are always fun. You got Aaron Donald chasing around Russell Wilson while Jalen Ramsey is locking down DK Metcalf. Then on the sidelines, you've got the old man chewing his gum so fast to keep it from locking up from arthritis. And on the other side, you got the young guy flexing his youth by running up and down the sidelines. I'm still not even sure how good this Seahawks team is or can be, but I do know that Stafford struggles against the teams with winning records, and for the last decade, the Seahawks more often than not have been winners. So on a short week at home, I'm going with the Seahawks 30-27. 
that's gonna do it for me thanks for watching liking commenting subscribing all that good stuff don't forget the goal for this video is 500 likes please help support this channel by adding your like to the cause and stay tuned because i've been working on my october mock draft i'm pretty excited for that and i'm doing my own order not one of these vegas orders and those always go over well so wish me luck there but yeah that should be coming out before the next pick'em video oh yeah and i started posting these as podcasts just search out nfl rt podcast pretty sure i got it on all the major podcast platforms but if you search for it and don't see it let me know i spend all this time trying to make these cool graphics i don't know why you'd want to listen to the dumb things i say without any visuals but hey some of you guys had asked for it so here it is if enough people keep listening on there i'll keep posting them over there i will see you all in the next video or podcast <laughs>